Yes, yes. Thank you, Father. We glorify you, Abba. In everything we say and everything we do, Father, we glorify you. How many of you came here on today to be, become better? Okay. How many of y'all came because you want to be better? How many of y'all came because you want to be everything that he predestined you to be? The very thing that he saw when he created you, when he saw you in your mother's womb, he had an idea of what he wanted you to become. That's why we show up. That's why we show up, Courtney. Because he has a plan. We don't have a plan. He has a plan. Amen? He has a plan, Chad. We show up because of his plan. We don't have to come up with a plan. He already has the plan. He predestined us. He purposed us. We don't have to do nothing but, watch this, participate. We just got to participate, Pastor. That's it. He already told us what to do. <laughs> he told a praise. He said worship. Come on now. He said seek his face. He said ask. He said not. All you have to do is just participate. You ain't got to form no world. You don't have to create the path. All you have to do is participate. <laughs> you ain't got to pray to him and then answer the prayer. He said, if you humble yourself, he'll do the exalting. You, you just have to humble yourself. You don't have to exalt yourself. He said, if I humble myself, he'll give me a greater grace. All I have to do is just do my part. I'll humble myself, he gives me a greater grace. I'm just giving you reasons why you should love him. Why you should love him. Why you should listen to him. Why you should let him lead you and guide you. He said his thoughts, oh gosh, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He let us know, you do not think on my level. You're going to have to come before me daily. He said, my ways are not yours. That means daily, daily bread, daily bread, daily. You have to come to me, Abba, what is it that you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? We don't have to raise ourselves. Imagine giving birth to a child and just leaving them there. That's how it look when you don't come before him. Like, grow yourself up. No, we don't have to do that. Because we got a father. We have a father that took hold to that assignment. And he said he ain't letting it go. He said, as long as you in his hand, nothing can pluck you out. Long as you in his hands, he said, nothing, nothing can pluck you out. Nothing can remove him. Only, only thing that can remove him from your hand is you. Glory. Let us pray. Father, we thank you right now for what you are about to do. Father, open our ears, our understanding. Give us enlightenment and insight. Father, use my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to speak the things concerning your kingdom. Father, release your glory in this atmosphere. Holy Spirit, hover, hover over every student. Rest on every student. Father, in the name of Jesus, have your way in this place. Father, we want more of you. We give you permission even right now, Father, to baptize us, Father. Baptize us, Father, 
in your presence, in your glory, in your love. Father, we are at your feet on this morning as students. We are naked, Father. We just want to receive, Father, what you have for us. And we thank you in advance, Father, for your daily bread, Father. We thank you in advance, oh, Father, for the strength, for your strength, Father. We thank you in advance, oh, Father, for opening our understanding, for leading and guiding us, for raising us to be great and glorious. We appreciate you, Father. For all that you have done, all that you are going to do, we thank you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. I'm going to do the traditional preacher talk. I won't be before you long. And we got no idea what the Spirit about to do. <laughs> We have no idea. I mean, preacher said, I won't be before you long. That means you're going to do all the talking. <laughs> the Spirit got a lot to say. Okay, especially when he can get us, when a father can get all his children together in one room, he wants to get as much out as he can. He wants to get as much out as he can. One of the things that we're going to have to pray about is the attendance of people showing up because a lot of times people are, this is a fight. It's a fight. Okay, it's a fight. I'm telling you, Satan does not want you, look, even in the wilderness, he approached Jesus, if you be the son of God, he does not want you to conform to the image of Christ. He does not want you to know that you are a son. He does not want you to know that you are a daughter. He'll let you do regular church. He'll let you do regular church. He'll let you just come sh shake, clap your hands, stomp your feet, leave out, and ain't nothing about you changed. The anointing ain't touched you. You have no, no plans of changing. I told you, the moment I learned about sonship, I said to myself, I said, Charles, we, we got to learn everything over. Because if I'm his child, I have to learn how to pray like a child. Come on, y'all remember the religious prayer? Help me, Lord. Help come on, no. <laughs> You have to learn how to get before him as a child, with a child mind. Jesus said, get in the secret place. He said, when you get in the secret place, your father would be there. They didn't teach us that. They didn't tell us what the secret place was. They didn't tell us when we got there, a father would be there. Matter of fact, they told us Jesus would be there. We had the wrong doctrine. So we didn't even know, we didn't even know how to pray, why we should pray. We weren't looking at no predestined purpose. But now that we are, it's a fight. It's a fight to become. That's Satan's using all of his energy, all of his M's, just like the Bible said when it came to Pharaoh. When Pharaoh saw that the children of Israel were too far away, they said he got his best chariots. <laughs> Satan is sending his best stuff at you, his best stuff. Because he knows just by us knowing our identity, we destroy his kingdom. Just by us knowing our identity, just knowing our identity, just knowing who you are, if you be a son of God. Well, yes, I am. <laughs> and because I'm a son of God, the Bible says that the angels are supposed to worship us. The angels are at our behest. He said the moment he brought his son before the angels. The angels, he said, this is who you worship. This is who you attend to. He said, he's given us angels as ministering spirits to minister to us who are heirs of salvation. Satan knows the end. He knows the end to your mind, the end to your heart. 
He knows what angels minister to. They minister to your mind. They tell you who you are, what you can do, what you are able to do. And Satan comes right behind them because he knows the access point. It's your mind. You can't do that. <laughs> You're not going to make it. He's not going to come through for you. He ministers to us constantly. So on today, we're going to continue our stewardship series. And stewardship or to steward is to manage or to be the manager of. It is to manage or be the manager of. There's two types of stewardships. One is you are either an administrator or you are a foreman. So either you are an administrator and you're running the household or you're running the business, or you are a foreman and you have been placed over the work or a worker or workers. So there's two type of stewards. Anytime we're dealing with steward, we have a head and we have a help. Say amen. That's why we have words that promote stewardship in the scriptures like laborer, leader, order, diligence, helper, submit, rule, discipline. These are words that promote stewardship. Now, stewardship is a position. I want you to hear this. It is a position because we are God's children. It is a position because we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, because he created us in his image according to his likeness. It is a position in which Abba has given us things that we are supposed to manage for him on earth. So when we're talking about stewardship, we're talking about the Father has given all of us something to manage right here on earth. First of all, it starts with your life. It starts with your life. He gives us finances. He gives us time. He puts people, children, family. The whole purpose of stewardship is because of the position that we are in. We are his children. We are his sons and daughters. If it's going to happen in this planet, it's going to be through us. It's illegal for, for the father to do anything in planet without using us. It's illegal. He can't do it. Because he said it. It's a decree. Let them rule. The moment he said that, he had to send a redeemer because Adam lost it. They ask the question, why, why, if, if, if God is real, then, then why babies dying? If God is real, then why so many people on drugs? If God is real, why is so much turmoil and violence? Because the people who he gave stewardship over ain't stewarding it. That's why it's happening. Because in your neighborhood, there's more drug dealers than prayer warriors. That's why it's happening. Because the enemy got the church in a chokehold. We scared to open our mouth. We don't want to offend nobody. <laughs> we try to be politically correct. And what we end up doing is not managing what he has given us. 
Now, he's in stewarding time. We have to be in predestined mode, which means if the father says he knows the end of a thing before the beginning of a thing, we have to take that mindset that if he predestined us to something, then we have to be walking as if we're in chapters. You don't want to be in chapter 20 and you're supposed to be in chapter 30. We have to get in predestined mode. Satan's job is to stop us from stepping, with walking with the Father. His job is to stop us from being co-labors. So even in stewarding time, we have to be in predestined mode, in stewarding money. The Bible says he gives seed to the sower. And I hate to say it like this, but some of y'all got some, some other people money in your bank account. I'll go. I ain't starting no fights or nothing like that, okay? Chad, somebody, some people got your money in their bank account. I'm just telling you. Ola, some people got they, your money in their bank account. Serena, they got your money in their bank account. He gives seed to the sower. The biggest mistake of, of managing money that you can ever do is to, is to think that when he gives you, it's for you. Oh, boy. It's for you to think it's for you. Anything he put in your hands, you have to come bring it before him. What do you want me to do with this? I don't care if it's a dollar. What is it that you want me to do with this? Well, I want you to pay 10 cents, pay tithes. I want you to get your offer, and then I want you to get another 80 cents to Javon. Now, that's, that, that, that starts at a very micro level. But the reason why we have to learn how to manage what he gives us is because he'll pull a rich young ruler on you. Take everything you got and give it away. And if, <laughs> y'all should see the look on y'all face. And if you're managing your money, it's going to be hard to do it. It's going to be hard to do it. You, you accumulated $300,000 in your bank account. It's sitting there. It's looking good. He said, I want you to give it all to Ola. If it's his, you got no problem with that. If it's not, you have an issue. But what ends up happening is this. You disqualify yourself from receiving seed because you only give seed to the sower. So a lot of times, he can't get stuff to you because he can't get it through you. And we're saying, give me more. He said, last time I gave you four people money, and you just ate, you ate all the seed. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. In steward in the word. Jesus said, if you listen to my teaching and you receive my teaching, he said, I'll give you more. But if you don't listen to it, if you don't study it, he said, the, what you have, I'll take it away. What's that about? That's stewardship of your studying habits, of the word that he's given to you, the prophetic words, the things that he's spoken over you. And we also have to steward the anointing on our life. Now, that's my portion today. That's what I get to teach on today, on stewarding your anointing, on stewarding your anointing. Now, the anointing, I have some definitions up there. 
Well, I guess since they put the title of the teaching on today is anointed for what? Anointed for what? Or why are you anointed? I said that wrong. Anointed to steward what? What has the father anointed you to steward? He didn't just give you anointing to be giving you anointing. He gave us anointing because it's something that he needed us to steward. So the question on today is anointed to steward what? Or what are you anointed to steward? Now, the definition of anointing is to consecrate. It means to set apart for use. So automatically right there, if we're talking about being his anointed ones, if it lets us know because we are anointed, we are set apart. We are separated from the world. We are separated from our families. Jesus said it best. He said, when I come, he said, I don't come to bring peace. I come to bring a sword. He said, when people hear my teachings, it's going to destroy households because you're going to have a father that, that you're going to have a father that does not want to follow. But then you're going to have a son that does. So the anointing is to separate us, to separate us. Anointing also means to smear oil or it means for the spirit to come upon you. Anointing also means he endows us. And he empowers us, this is the key word, to do. Say to do. He anoints us to do. That's going to be the theme of today. I want you to get. He don't just anoint you to sit and do nothing. He anoints you to do. And anointing does not feel good. The anointing is different from presence. The anointing doesn't always make you cry, make you feel good shit. No, the anointing comes to do what? To destroy a yoke. The anointing comes to detach you from whatever you, from whatever is it, from the darkness and attach you to light. The anointing doesn't feel good. That's why I don't mind after I'm teaching. I know, look, I, I'll teach something, Courtney. Folks be frustrated all week. Now you want to talk to me. I get it. Because what I just said over the pulpit is attacking your mind. It's attacking your heart. It's attacking your agenda. And you don't want to talk to me. You know why? Because the anointing destroys your, and, and that doesn't feel good. It don't feel good to somebody tell you, stop, no, don't. <laughs> Joseph was anointed, watch this, to endure constant betrayal in order to run the Egyptian economy. Moses was anointed to deliver the children of Israel. The oil was on him to do. Paul was anointed to be so consumed with fathering the Gentiles that he even wrote letters from jail. Come on now. You go to jail, you ain't thinking about nobody. You ain't writing no letters. Forget how the church is doing. Y'all get me out of here. <laughs> But the anointing was on him so much that he was in jail saying, don't worry about me. I'm in chains for Christ. That's why he was able to, to tell us, he said, look, you have to labor with them until Christ is formed with them. He said there was, he had birth pains. Now, he ain't never been pregnant. <laughs> but he said he had birth pains. 
And the only way I can relate to that as a man is if you have children, now this, this, is, this is how the anointing is. If you have children, once that child is born and in your face, whether you adopt or not, it, once that child is in your face, in your presence, there is something in you that changes. It's a responsibility for that thing that never goes away. No matter how old they get, it never goes away. Somehow you feel responsible for their growth. You feel responsible for if they, if they make it or if they don't. You, you, when, when they're not in your presence, you want to know where they are. That's how it feels when you're anointed to do something. You feel as if you are responsible for the thing. Moses felt responsible for freeing the children of Israel. Like that was his task. Joseph had no idea that his brothers would throw him in a ditch. He had no idea that he would be sold to Potiphar. He had no idea that he would be jailed and lied on for something he did not do. But what sustained him was that oil that was on his life. That he was able to stay in that situation, that circumstance, and it didn't bother him. Why? Because he was anointed. And my favorite one was David, anointed king. And his, and his story was crazy because Chad, not only was he, a, he was anointed king, when he got anointed, he had to wait 30 years to take the office. Matter of fact, he almost missed his own party. When it got time to, to anoint a king, because Saul had lost the anointing, when it got time to anoint the king, they called the other seven brothers up. Samuel walking there saying, Elab, Elab was, was tall and handsome, and he said, surely this the one. And the Lord spoke to him and said, no, he said, you use your eyes when you see, but I'm looking at the heart. He went past all seven brothers, tried to anoint them, turned to the father, said, is there another one? <laughs> is there another one? He said, yeah, watch this. He's out there with the sheep. He's, he's about his father's business. <laughs> My pastor used to tell me all the time, he said, whenever the father finds you, he wants to find you on the backside of the desert. It was funny. He, kept, he said, tell us all the time. He's not, when he looks to anoint, he ain't looking to anoint people who don't do nothing. He got anointed right there in front of his seven brothers. Then he has to wait. He only got to destroy Goliath because he was doing Uber Eats. Because he told them, take this lunch out there to your brothers and see how they're doing. And as soon as he got out there, that anointing rose up. That anointing rose up. It rose up in him. Because he heard Goliath speaking to the, the army of Israel like they were nothing. And his question in his mind, because I know it had happened in his mind before it came out of his mouth, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He was anointed. And he announced it. He told him, he said, the same way when the lion came, the same way when the bear came, watch this, when I was shepherding, when I was training. He said, I was out training. I was working with the sheep. I wasn't sitting back doing nothing. I wasn't playing video games. I was about my father's business. And he said, the lion came. And he said, when the lion came, I crushed it. 
When the bear came, he put the lamb in his mouth. I crushed it. I took it from him and I crushed it. So he let Goliath know, you next. Saul tried to give him his armor. <laughs> he put that armor on. <laughs> in his mind, he probably wobbling. <laughs> in his mind, he probably like, hold on, this ain't helping you. Why would I don't want the armor of a scary person? If you thought it could protect you, you would be out there with it. He said, take this armor off me. He went and picked up a stone, five stones. He only used one. And he ran at him, swung. He's a boy. His, his, this is a boy. Hit him with a rock. Now watch this. It was anointing behind that rock. If it wasn't, anybody could have threw a rock at him. It was a whole army of people. I'm pretty sure they threw some javelins at him. I'm pretty sure they threw some spears at him. I'm pretty sure somebody tried to fight him and lost because he had a lot of courage. But what I want to tell you on the day is that when you anointed to do something, it hit different. It just hit different. It hits different. Everybody can't do what you anointed to do. You can try to grab the mic and you can say everything I'm saying, but the word won't fall on them the same. It won't fall on people the same. Whatever you are anointed to do, it'll hit different. People can't duplicate it. They can't imitate anointing. They can try, but they won't be able to do it because it hits different. The anointing comes to do what? To destroy. To destroy. Isaiah 10, 27. It says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulders. It says, And his yoke from your neck. And it says, And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. So yokes, are, we are anointed because it is something that he wants us to do. And when we do that thing, Renee, we destroy yokes. Now, what is a yoke? A yoke is, is let's just say your hand, it's, a, it's, it's the equivalent of being handcuffed at the neck to, to Satan. And everything that Satan do, everywhere that Satan go, he take you with him. And you have no choice to go because you're yoked to him. The Bible says that the anointing is supposed to destroy that yoke, but it don't just destroy that yoke. Once it destroys that yoke, it yokes you to Christ. So we don't just destroy yokes. We destroy yokes, and then we yoke them to Christ. I'm anointed to teach. I'm anointed to talk. Just talking to people changes their mind. Many people come before, many of y'all, watch this. You can't go back to Church of God in Christ, even if you wanted to. You can't go back to Baptist teaching, even if you wanted to. You can't go back to your last ministry, even if you wanted to. Why? It's been a yoke that's been destroyed. <laughs> and you've been a yoke to something where you can see growth, you can see improvement. The anointing is to do what? It's to destroy yokes because when a yoke is destroyed, the burden is destroyed. 
when the yoke is destroyed, the burden is destroyed. That's why Jesus said, come learn of me. He said, my yoke is easy. He said, my burden is light. So the anointing is there to destroy the yoke. If anything that he has anointed you to do is to connect people to Christ. So the question is, anointed to steward what? What is it that he has given you or anointed you to do or anointed you to steward? Because when you activate or you walk in the anointing, the object is this. Watch it. Destroy and connect. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Why? Because he has anointed me to preach. To preach good news to the poor. He anointed me because he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. He has anointed me because he's anointed me to recover the sight of the blind. He anointed me to set free those that are oppressed. The anointing is to do. The anointing is to do. The anointing isn't there, just, it isn't there for you. <laughs> the anointing is there for everybody you come in contact with. The anointing is there so you can make his name great. The anointing is there so you can be a holy nation. The anointing is there so you can act like you are a chosen generation. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now, if we, can get, if we want to get deep into it, the spirit of the Lord is just one of the seven spirits. This is one of the seven spirits. It's the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of might, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. The spirit of the Lord is just one of the seven spirits. This is what you call the north wind. He said the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is what comes upon me for service. It comes upon me to do. Even when a believer, even when a believer receives the initial evidence of the Holy Spirit, Watch this. Paul was still praying, I pray that you will have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge. He was talking to save people. But Jesus said the spirit of the Lord is on him. That's one spirit that was on him. And that spirit was on him, anointing him to do. Anointed to steward what? Or what are we anointed to steward? Stewardship is a position. Like I told you before, it is a position because you are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Because you are a child of God, because you are a son, because you are a daughter. He has to give you something to manage. If he doesn't give you something to manage, how can he call you faithful? How can he know if you're being obedient? How can he know if you're adhering to his word? We are anointed to steward things in earth. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit 
and with power. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Say double portion. <laughs> How he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing, <laughs> doing good and healing all who are under the tyranny of the devil or oppression of the devil because God was with him. First of all, he anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power to tell you what, he's, what we're equipped with. Secondly, he anointed him to do. First, he anointed him to do good. What's funny is when I looked up this word, do good, it literally meant philanthropist. So we are anointed to benefit others. We are anointed to pour into other people. We are anointed to bless others. We are anointed to bestow benefits on other people. He didn't anoint us to keep it to ourselves. He didn't anoint us for us to sit in the house and just say, I'm anointed. He anointed us to do. Your job is find out where you are anointed and get busy. Your job is find out where you anointed and get busy. Amen. Your job is to find out where you are anointed and get busy. And if you're not anointed there, leave it alone. If you're not anointed to pastor, stop trying to tell the pastor what to do. You're not anointed to do that. There's no oil on you for that. So your conversation falls on deaf ears. I'm sorry. If you're not anointed to lead, don't try to lead. It's two type. Look, you either anointed to be the head or you anointed to be the helper. Every situation happens like that. Father, son, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is what? Helper. Husband, wife. Wife is what? Helpmate. Children are supposed to do what? Help their parents. You either in a five-fold ministry, you a leader, or you are the ministry of helps. Know what you are anointed to do. Thank you for that clap. I appreciate that. I really appreciate that clap. Hallelujah. You have to know what you are anointed to do. If you are not anointed to be the head, don't try to be the head. It's not going to work. There's no oil on you. And sometimes people will try to, they will try to be the head or be the leader and no one listens to them. So they feel like they're being ignored. You are being ignored. There's no oil there. <laughs> it doesn't fall on people to listen to you. The moment they're out your presence, they forget about everything you said because God is not nudging them. Remember what he said? But I guarantee you when you are my presence, you hear me. I guarantee you hear me when I'm at work. What? Because that's where the oil is. Go, flow where the oil is. He put that anointing on you, Charles, to be a chef? Brother, you have no idea the doors are going to open for you. So he said he anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good. And then it said he went about healing all. 
That word heal means to heal. It means to cure. It means to make whole. It means to free from sin and error and bring into salvation. One thing I've been telling people, look, you find nowhere in Scripture where Christians healed Christians. Huh? Prove me wrong. Christians don't heal Christians. Christ in you is your healing power. Christ in you heals you. If you have Christ in you, the thing that created all things, the thing that holds all things together, the light, the life, the word, what is another Christian hand on you going to do? Only reason you need it because you don't know who you are. He anointed him with the Holy Spirit. He, he, he smeared it on him with John baptism, but he was, he was Christ. He was the Christ. No coughs, no ailments, no nothing. Why? Because he knew who he was. And so the, the, the bulk of our work in healing in the church, now once we leave out of here for evangelism, we're going to run into some stuff. But in here, now I'm not saying if you need help, if you don't, look, no condemnation. If you need somebody to pray for you, let them pray for you. But we just letting you know because Christ is in you that you don't need another person to heal you. Matter of fact, the more you know that you can heal yourself, you'll be able to heal others. It's coming to a realization of what's in you already. So our job is to heal you. Most of the job of us healing you is getting a word in you. Getting your identity in you. Teaching you who you are. Getting you to understand what salvation is. So he said he anointed him to heal all who were under the oppression of the devil. To oppress means uh, uh, under the tyranny of the devil. Mean, to, means that he were oppressing them by exercising harsh control or using his power. Jesus said all power has been given unto him in heaven and on earth. So Satan really has no power but to tell you that you have no power and you agree with him. I'm going to move on. Second Corinthians. Chapter 1, verse 21, it reads, Now he who has established us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Say double portion. First, he said he established us in Christ. What does Christ mean? The anointed one. So he established us in the anointing. Then he anointed us to do. The first level of anointing that we deal with is the, is, is the divine nature. You are anointed to love. Mm. You are anointed to be patient. You are anointed to walk in peace. You are anointed to walk in joy. He, Jesus said, the peace that I have, I give you. He said, it ain't the peace of the world. He said, I want your joy to be full. You are anointed to be a son of God. You are anointed to be a daughter of God. Why would he establish us in the anointing? A double portion of it. So stop praying for a double portion. You already got it. <laughs> stop praying for a double portion. You already got a double portion. If you took 
Abraham and you walked all the way through the Old Testament and ended on Micah, if you took all of them and added all of them up, everything that they have that was in them, they don't equal, all of them equal one of us. All of them equals one of us. They had part of it. We get the whole gambit. Moses was a friend of God. I'm his son. It's a difference. They were servants. He said, we are no longer servants. We are sons. The sooner we recognize that, the sooner we walk in that, the sooner it manifests. Because the anointing has been given to us because we are co-laborers. The anointing has been given to us because we are his field, because we are his building, because we are light, we are salt, we are a city set on a hill, because we are his ambassador. This is why we anointed, to preach, to proclaim, to recover, to release. What are you anointed to do? What are you anointed to steward? What are you anointed to steward? I see y'all digging in y'all <laughs> I see y'all reaching, y'all asking, y'all looking. That's the question. What are you anointed to steward? It's something that you are, and, and, and not just something, some things. Not just one thing, it's some things that he has put in your hands, and he wants you to steward that thing, and he's anointed you to do it. And the thing about it, your very existence on this earth is the only reason why the job exists. Therefore, here we go. The anointing is a byproduct of responsibility. Therefore, the anointing is a byproduct of responsibility. Which means he gives you an ability and you respond to it. He gives you ability, you respond to it. That's what responsibility comes from. He gives you an ability and you respond to it. The moment you decide to respond to it, he anoints you to do it. So anointing is a byproduct of responsibility. The Bible says it pleased him to give us the kingdom. If, he, if it pleased him to give us the kingdom, then he has to anoint us to manage it. The Bible said that he told us as his children of God to rule over all. We have to be anointed to do that, right? The Bible said that he blessed them, which means he gave them favor. This is Adam and Eve. He blessed them. He gave them favor. He gave them wisdom. He put his hands on them. He anointed them. And he said, go be fruitful, be multiplied, subdue, and fill. And that's what they were anointed to steward. But what happened? Satan disconnected him. Jesus said it like this, John 17 and 12. He said, all that you have given me, I have lost none. What is that? Stewardship. John 17 and 12 says, while I was with them, I was keeping them in your name. This is... This is what stewardship looks like. This is what it looks like. Because there's going to be some people that he's going to put in your path. And it's your job to steward them. He said, while I was with them, 
I was keeping them in your name. That's stewardship. Which you have given me, that's the responsibility. He says, and I guarded them, stewardship. And not one of them perished except the son of destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. He said, all you gave me, I lost none of them but Judas. <laughs> so it's okay to lose Judas. <laughs> he said, out of all them you gave me, I, none of them perished. Now, we're talking about someone who had 70 disciples at one time, made one comment, and it went down to 12. And then one of them betrayed him. So he ended up with 11. And his conversation is, of all you have given me, I lost none. Stewardship. It's people the Father going to put in your path. And you support. I told, let me drop people off at the church. Don't just invite them to the church. No, you minister to them. You show them what you're anointed to do. Don't just drop them off to Dr. Hardy and me and, and, and the pastor. No. <laughs> you call them. You go into your bank account and you take care of them. You help them. You, do. you minister to them. Like Jesus said, you keep them, you guard them. He who wins souls is wise. Why? Because you know how to stewardship. You know how to steward a soul. You know how to keep your conversation to the place where you want to be arguing with them. <laughs> you know how to love them even when they're go going against you. I don't know what he did. Peter, I don't know how Jesus handled Peter. This brother was always out of order. He was always out of order. But watch this. He answered to his calling. And this is the thing I have to let you know. Soon as Jesus called Peter, he left his business. I'm not telling you leave your business. I'm not, okay? That's not what I'm telling you. But what I'm telling you is that the moment you are called, the moment you are called, the anointing that was on you to do that thing leaves. And it becomes a new anointing to do what you're called. I'm going to make you fishermen of men. I know you got a little tight business, nice little boat. But I'm going to make you fishermen of men. And what's crazy is he lost the anointing way before Jesus walked on the scene. Because he was fishing like, I've been, we've been toiling all night. And then the carpenter walks up who's anointed. Fish over there. <laughs> the same Peter, once he became a disciple, almost drowned. How a fisherman almost drowned. The anointing was gone. He was now anointed to disciple men. He was now anointed to be the fisherman of men. So sometimes you trying to stay in a lane that's no longer yours. It's no longer yours. You're trying to stay. You're trying to stay. The anointing is gone. The oil is gone. You know how you know? You frustrated. It ain't working no more because you are in a new season. He's calling you to do something different, and the oil is off of you. We were standing in Louisiana. I don't know how we love Louisiana. When I, no sidewalks. The only store they had in the whole city was Walmart. No restaurants, not a Arby's, not a, not a Chili's, not a Chick-fil-A. 
No sidewalks. And we loved it until the father came to me and said, move to Atlanta. Now, all of a sudden, I hate this place. I can't stand this place or the people. The anointing is lifted up. All of a sudden, I can't hear leadership no more. I can't hear him no more. He was calling my, calling my wife, talking about some, uh, uh, Miles Monroe ain't baptized in Jesus' name. Man, you better shut up. <laughs> when this, the anointing has shifted, and everything on our heart was get to Atlanta. And the thing about it is, we had never been. We had never been. But when the anointing is taken off you for a situation, it's time to go. Before I started this church, before we started this church, the ministry we were at, one day I got up, I got ready to go to church. I, I can see it like it was yesterday. I got ready to put my shoes on, and I couldn't. He was like, that's over. That chapter over. I spent the next four years in the wilderness getting prepared for this ministry. Me and my wife are sitting in our bedroom. Spirit just drops. We're like, oh, God, we got to start a church. We just sit there. We just sit there, and we like, and, and we turn and look at each other at the same time and said, this is going to happen, ain't it? We thought we was free. She had just got her doctrine. I had just built my basement out, had built my recording studio. We about to do some music. We about to set it up. Start a church. All of a sudden, Ola pop up. <laughs> Y'all have no idea. You fought, she fought not to get to Georgia. It just wasn't happening, was it? She tried to leave the town. What happened to your car? Broke down. She tried, to, she, she tried not to come to Georgia. You can't stop the anointing. You can't stop the call on your life. <laughs> so, the Father has anointed us to steward, first, our destiny. You have a call. You have an assignment. You have a purpose. It's your job to steward that. Even as a person, as a man and as a woman, it is your job to steward the anointing on your life as a man and as a woman. It is your job as a man and woman to use the anointing of God to make sure that you are a light for the next generation. It is my job as a man. The anointing is on every man to be a man. He smeared that on you. That's why the devil comes to us and transgender. You're you killing your anointing. It is your, you are anointed to be a woman. You are anointed to be a woman so that little girls can see what that looks like. You're anointed for that. You are anointed to be a husband. You are anointed to be a wife. You are anointed to be a mother. You are anointed to be a father. There's an anointing on you for that. You are even anointed to be a child. It's anointed on children to be children. It's anointed on us, even as older, as adults, to be, chil to be uh, children to our parents. 
It's an anointing on us for that. I know we want to run right to the gifts. <laughs> but what about the anointing on us as a man that makes us carry that light to a point that young boys are developed properly? The Bible says that the elders are supposed to teach the younger men. The Bible says that the older women are supposed to teach the younger women. The Bible says that, um, uh, 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 now watch this, how do I know that there's an anointing there? Because there's an expectation. Husbands, love your wife. He ain't give you no way out. <laughs> you anointed to do that. Dwell with her according to knowledge. You anointed to do that. Wives, submit. You are anointed to be a wife. You are not anointed to be a husband. You are anointed to be a wife. It doesn't work. You become frustrated trying to do his job. You are anointed to do that. The Bible, women, you are anointed to be virtuous. That's what the anointing is. You are anointed to be virtuous. Even as a wife, the Bible says that you are so anointed that even if your husband ain't acting right, you are anointed to maintain the standards so that everybody will see your light and your father get the glory. We are anointed to do this. There's an anointing on you to do this. You just got to make sure that you're stewarding it correctly. There's an anointing to be a teacher. There's an anointing to be a student. There's an anointing to be a teacher which means when the anointing is there, he'll pour in you what to say. When you're anointed to be a student, he pours in you to receive. The oil is never on a student to be the teacher. It only happens in church. <laughs> it only happens in church. It doesn't happen in universities. The students are not out there with the textbook telling, telling the professor what to... <laughs> You are anointed for your work life. You pray, Father, give me a job. He gave you a job. Now you won't tell the CEO what to do. Ain't no oil on you for that. <laughs> Ain't no oil on you to tell management what to do. You are an employee. That's why he said, whatever you do in word or deed, do it unto the Lord. He said, don't do it when they're watching. He said, do it even when they're not watching. Because you're anointed to do that. He wants you to be a light. He wants you to be salt. He anointed us to, be, to do that. The issue is we're not stewarding it. Cause we we, we, we uh, uh, skipped them scriptures. Obey your earthly master. <laughs> Obey your earthly master. Yeah, I said it. <laughs> Obey your earthly master. <laughs> Or start your own business. One or the other. <laughs> we are anointed in the seven mountains. Do you know that they know, the world knows, whoever controls the seven mountains controls the world. We are anointed to do family, we are anointed to do art, to do government, to do economics, to do religion, to do education, and to do media. We are anointed to do that. But we scary. We want to be politically correct. We don't want to be creative. We scared if we get too creative what the church going to say. We 
We are anointed with gifts to steward ministry. We are anointed with gifts to steward ministry. That prophetic gift is for the church. That teaching gift is for the church. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. I'm about to close, I think. It says, but to the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Speaking to his sovereignty. Verse 9, this is where the meat is. He said, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Now, you have to understand, Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness more than his companions. How does this look? The Bible says that the joy was set before him to endure the cross. That's what gladness means. It means extreme joy. He was, a, I know that don't sound, anybody trying to hear that? I get it. I get it. He was anointed to endure the cross. The Bible said the joy that was set before him. That don't sound right, do it? He getting ready to die on the cross, anointed to go to the cross. Who are you anointed to die for? Anointed to steward what? Because the anointing is to do. Because the anointing is given to us to steward, this is why I shift. We have to make sure that we are stewarding the anointing. Because he gave us the anointing to steward things, we have to make sure that we are stewarding the anointing. Now, how do we steward the anointing? The first way we do it is by our appetite. Even in the scripture up here, he says, in verse 9, he says, you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you. So if you want to provoke the poor, the poor of the oil on you, you have to watch what you love and watch what you hate. He says, you have loved righteousness. I just gave you a key to the kingdom. If you love righteousness, you practice it. To the degree that you, you practice it, he'll pour. I'm not telling you to pray fast, read, study, fellowship for nothing. To the degree that you do it, the Bible says he will pour. It's your appetite. What do you love? Do you love prayer? Do you love fasting? <laughs> do you love study time? Do you love fellowship? Do you love to give? He said, you have loved righteousness and you have hated lawlessness. You hate iniquity. You hate sin. You hate injustice. You hate backbiting. You hate jealousy. You hate talking about people. He said, because you are, you are like this, I'm going to pour the oil on you. So the first thing we have to do is watch our appetite. What is it that we love? The Bible says if you are an enemy, if you are a friend with the world, you are automatically his enemy. It's, it's about what you love. 
It's about what you love. Do you love righteousness? Do you love joy? Do you love doing the right things? Do you love doing it Abba's way? Or do you want to do it your way? When the Bible tells us constantly that if we, we could want it, what, what's the scripture? There's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, he says it leads to destruction. I think we can align destruction with no anointing. I can't pour. That's a destruction because the anointing is supposed to give you the advantage. It's supposed to give you the advantage. If you are in business and you are God's child, you have the advantage if you have the anointing. If you are in a workplace and you are doing things the way the Father told you to do, then you have the advantage. The anointing gives us the advantage. So we have to steward. The next thing we have to do is refine the anointing. Refine the anointing. Find out what he has anointed you to do. Find out what he has anointed you to steward. And make sure you're the best at it. I am the only apostle alive right now that's teaching the word. That's my mindset. I don't care what none of them doing. I'm going about this thing like ain't no other apostles alive but me. Whatever he called you to do, you need to dive into it. The Bible says study to show yourself approved. So when will you be approved? When you study. When Father from heaven can look down and see, you can't lie about that. <laughs> he looking at you studying. Study to show yourself approved. This is why he talks about being a disciple. A student. This is why Jesus said, learn of me. This is why the Bible says, watch this, study to be quiet. Which leads me to the next one. You better learn how to guard your anointing. Learn how to guard your anointing. Learn when it's time to talk and when it's not time to talk. The Bible says it like this. Don't cast your pearls before a swine. It said don't give what is holy to dogs. Because your mouth should be, you should be talking according to what you're called to steward. I'm a natural father, a spiritual father. I'm a husband. I'm an apostle of a church. I have to talk. When I shut up, everything gets torn apart. If you don't have those, then yes, you should be quiet. I'm sorry. You should talk. You. Reason why I'm telling you that because every time you talk, watch this. You dispense glory. Every time you talk, you dispense glory. Everything that you prayed in tongues for, every time you talk, it comes out. And if you waste it on people, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give what is holy to dogs. You've been laboring, laboring, laboring. What you? How you said, Terry? Putting up timber, what you say? <laughs> Cutting corn, laying up timber. She got a whole lot of <laughs> little sayings for prayer. You've been doing this, all this, all this, and then you're going to argue on Facebook with a fool who you ain't going to never see? Who ain't, even if you are right, they don't care. You're going to argue with people who, they're not even trying to come to the Father. They just want to, the Bible ain't real, okay. <laughs> because the... God ain't real. Well, okay. The Bible says only a fool would say that. If I continue to talk to you, we both become fools. 
So you got to guard your anointing. You even got to know the why. Jesus told his mother, it ain't my time. It ain't my time. You got to know the why. Why am I there? Just like he, he told the uh, other one, she came with her daughter. My daughter's demon possessed. We ain't finna give you not. We ain't finna give the bread to the dogs. Now that's harsh. That's harsh. If I said that to somebody, y'all swear I'm rude. Jesus told his mother, "What you what you telling me for a woman? It ain't my time." He told the woman, "It ain't good to give the bread to the dogs." And she took and said, okay, well, can I get the crumbs? You got good faith. <laughs> you provoke that. The next thing is to practice righteousness. Now, I don't know what y'all doing, but this is the thing. Me and Dr. Hardy, this is our focus. Increase our capacity so we can carry more. That's our focus. I don't know what you at home doing, Increase your capacity so you can carry more. It is some offices and some things in this world, some Fortune 500 companies, some things that you want, that he didn't give you dreams about, that he didn't show you, but you can't handle it because you don't have the capacity to carry it. You don't have the capacity to carry it. I'm looking at Bishop Oyeda Poe. Boy, it's going to be some prayer from your boy to be able to handle that. This man putting out 10,000 churches a year. We're trying to get one off the ground. Come on now. It's, if, if you want to do great things, you better increase your capacity. You better study more. You better pray more. You better fellowship. You better fast more because there's some things that you want and you think you're just going to get them because you're a child of God. No. There's some offices and some doors that are going to stay closed until you build yourself up, until you can walk through them and represent properly. Especially if you are a parent, especially if you are married. If you can't handle the position in your marriage and your kids, you can't have it. If the anointing is going to stop you from obeying your husband, if it's going to stop you from uh, uh, make you neglect your wife and your family, you can't have that. So what do you have to do? You have to build yourself up to carry more. So the last one is practicing righteousness. We saw Jesus fast 40 days. Then told the disciples, when you fast. Then they went to cast out a demon and it couldn't come out. He said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. I'm showing you how to steward your anointing. Giving. We know Jesus gave money because he told the disciples to give money. But he went deeper than that, only he gave his life. He gave his life. So if you will give your life, you know you have no problem giving money. He ate with the sinners. He gave his time. He spent time with his disciples. He gave of himself. What is he doing? Stewarding, stewarding the anointing. Because whether you're a leader or you're a follower, in that, in that process, both are being developed. Both are being developed.
we know he prayed. Now, what are we talking about? Stewarding your anointing. He spent time with the people, and then he withdrew to pray all night with his father. Even in stewarding the disciples, they a rock throw from him. You can't pray for an hour? <laughs> He's stewarding them, letting them know, you can't walk in what I walk in if you can't pray for an hour? You can't spend an hour in prayer? He told them this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. You got to pray. He told them about the secret place. He told them when to pray. He told them what to pray. What does he teach them? How to steward their anointing. How to handle their call. And fellowship. This is how I know Jesus' fellowship. For one, everything they did when traveling was in caravans. Okay? That's how he got lost as a little boy. Mama went back to look for him. What was he at? Fellowshipping, <laughs> learning, sitting, asking questions. And this is why he had to do it in that manner. As we go into word time. Because back in those days, you couldn't take the Bible home. The Bible, the word stayed in the synagogue. That's why he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do these things and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Then the Bible says that he, he rolled the scroll up and handed it back to the attendant and sat down and said all eyes was fixed on him. He had word time. That's how he found himself. That's how he found himself studying. The reason why you don't know because you haven't found yourself in your study time. You haven't found yourself. You haven't spent enough time in the Word to say, oh, that's me right there. That's me right there. The Bible said he found himself in the Scriptures. He couldn't take the Bible home. He had to show up at the synagogue and listen and study and take notes with a rock. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he knew his moment. He even knew the prophetic, watch this, implications of it. Disciples came to him and said, are you the one? He said, tell John this. All this stuff that you see in the scripture has, been, um, has, has unfolded. John knew, as soon as he said it, I'm about to die. Word time. Steward your anointing. I'm closing. I was, did any of y'all get to see the Benny Johnson Memorial? Man, y'all need to, if it's still up, you need to go watch it, okay? That, is a, that woman is a perfect example of stewarding your life, stewarding your anointing. I'm watching this woman's memorial, and as a woman, you see the effect she had on other women. As a mother, you see the effect that she had on her kids. As a wife, you see the effect that she had on her husband. You see the anointing on their marriage to help other marriages. After seeing that, after listening to that, you know what? I, that's a general. That's a general. That's what a general looks like. That's what God's general is supposed to look like. Her kids is up there telling how she spent time with them, how she loved them, how she cared for them. That goes on to the next generation. 
they talked about how she took care of, 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 the, of the father, of her husband. She took care of her husband well. The son got up there and said, she took care of dad well. In her last days, he took care of her. He looks at his dad and said, you rocked it. That's what a general looks like. You know why? Because that's going to another generation. That's going to another generation. I couldn't help. I'm looking, I'm like, the anointing is to build the legacy. The anointing is to build a legacy. It's to build a legacy. It's to build a legacy. That's what we're looking at for a divine generation. We need a generation full of men and women that are under the anointing so much that they care about the next generation. That's what it means to be mature is when I look up, do I have someone to follow towards? That's what we're looking for. We're looking for a, 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 a generation full of husbands and wives that play their part, walk under the anointing. We're looking for leaders that don't mind setting the example as parents, as servants. The anointing is to build legacy. When I got done looking at that, I said, this, this is what God's general is looking like. This is what the Father's looking for. He ain't looking for somebody who can heal everybody. He ain't looking for somebody who can cast devils out of everybody. He, that's not what he's looking for. That's going to happen. Did they ministry do that? Yes. Nobody talked about it. Nobody talked about the devil she cast out. Nobody, they, they create these fire tunnels at their church where they line up on this side and people just walk through and demons just come out. Nobody talked about that, the people that they heal. Nobody talked about the books that she wrote on health. That wasn't the thing. The thing was her life. The anointing is to build legacy. The anointing is for your life. You got to steward it to make sure that when you leave this earth, watch this, you still here. <laughs> so when you leave the earth you still, when I'm gone when I'm dead and gone I'm going to still be here my teaching still going to be on this earth my books are still going to be here the people I poured into their lives I've changed it's still going to be right here that's what you want when it's all said and done